What's up, everyone? We've really gotten into this mini-sode idea. We are digging it. I love these things. Right? I mean, like, I love really diving in on a topic and then ch- and looking up and realizing that we've gone over an hour of talking on something. But also, it's it's nice to just, like, just give a little taste of something or just talk for a moment on something, you know? Yeah, and they're a lot more commuter friendly. I mean, except for our listeners who have like 70 minute commutes. <laughs> <laughs> then they listen to the other episodes. See how it works? <laughs> the other thing I really love about our minisodes so far is we've been able to really talk about what our fans and our listeners are interested in, mm-hmm. like, or their stories. Like, we've done a couple of listener stories and it's been really, really awesome. Like, so inspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are on minisode six. What are we going to talk about today, Jack? We got a question from one of our listeners on the tweeters. Okay. We're really loving, we're supporting the Twitter right these days. So throw it at me. All right. Our listener asks, how are you able to be part of a religion where a noteworthy segment of the people believe same-sex intimacy is illicit? All right. That's not a, (laughs) that's, that's not a hard question at all. Uh, and I know this letter listener identifies as a Christian, so it, I don't think it was meant as uh, adversarial as it might be interpreted. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I mean, there are plenty of people who um, don't identify as Christian who ask that question all the time. Yeah, it's it's a good question, no matter where it's coming from. Yeah. So why don't you go first? <laughs> You've had the question a bit longer than I have. That's true. <laughs> The first thing that came up for me is real simply like I'm a part of Christianity because I believe that the central claims of Christianity are true. Like I was thinking about the uh, passage in one of the gospels. I'm a theologian, I'm a biblical scholar. Don't ask me where. Um, <laughs> Jesus says a bunch of freaky shit. Uh, John six, maybe. And a bunch of the crowd leaves because um, he just said like, if you love me, then eat me. And people were like, no, this guy's unhinged. And they <laughs> left. And uh, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, are you going to leave too? Which is like such a heartbreaking question. Like thinking about Jesus is like wanting to like love and serve his people, mm. but finding that they're continually like being driven away mm. and so he like looks at his friends like are you are you gonna leave too and peter says where are we gonna go he said you have the words of eternal life and like that's what i felt a lot of times when i've been tempted to leave mm. christianity to leave the church and never come back i think like the church hurts us over and over again. And like my relationship with God, like I I don't want to go anywhere else. Yeah. I, I feel like something that I feel fortunate in is that 
my relationship with God was so visceral mm. and real at a younger age. And because of that experience and um, over and over examples of God's work that seems very like clearly miraculous um, and just interactions, that's what helped me to hold on to the faith. It definitely wasn't church. Mm-hmm. You know, church was the reason why I wanted to leave. Um, and I think I had a healthy understanding of the separation between man and humans error and their ability to fuck shit up. Um, and God's desire to hold on to me. Mm-hmm. And um, even if I knew that my ideas were going to change and now I understand that word is in grow. Um, <laughs> even if I knew that that was going to happen, I had this and I didn't know like necessarily what, what, where that was going to take me or, or what that was going to mean about theology. I at least understood that God existed and that God had me and that God loved me and that God was holding me. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I'm a bit of a universalist in the way that I like, I'm definitely a Christian. I believe in, in kind of the essential truths around, around the gospel and, Mm-hmm. And that, but I'm also a believer that um, there are many paths to God, and that um, I don't believe that God is the kind of God that only has one way to them. Mm-hmm. Like I believe there are many ways um, to God, and that a lot of times our language or vocabulary um, differences are just alterations of the same thing. I also am not arrogant enough to believe that I could ever really fully understand how God works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had enough experiences in my life with God to believe. And that's something I couldn't walk away from because that would mean saying, you're truly insane. Everything you've experienced is a lie. That's mm-hmm. harder right. to say than mm-hmm. to allow my theology to grow and change. Mm-hmm. I think it's huge to be able to distinguish in the way that you mentioned between like people who claim to be speaking for God and God and God's self. Mm-hmm. Cause like so many people claim to be the mouthpieces of God. And a lot of them say some things that are not in the character of a loving God mm-hmm. and to be able to, Say to those people like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I I hear you that you're speaking in the voice of God. I don't believe you. I think you're full of shit. Yeah. It can be really helpful for those of us who've wanted to hold on to our religion to recognize that there are a lot of people who are claiming to speak in the name of our religion, in the name of our God, who don't have any authority to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the other thing is is that I'm I'm an underdog. I'm the kind of person that like fights for the underdog and doesn't want to allow an establishment to to ruin something that is good. Mm-hmm. And and just the idea that the church is posing themselves as something that is good and and helpful and and loving 
and a safe place for people to to exist when exactly they are the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that is bullshit and I want to burn it down. And so for me taking it back and saying, cause there were a couple of years where I didn't call myself Christian mm-hmm. and, and, and those were good years cause I needed that separation. But when I, when I did claim it back, I put the word queer in front of it because I wanted people to understand that my Christianity is different than their Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wanted to take it back and say like, you don't get to take this and fuck it up. Right. It's not meant to be twisted in this way and, and trying to, show love and help people really, really deeply hurting people who um, have been just tossed aside and, or even worse, just like truly like fucked with by the church mm-hmm. and trying to help them to, to heal in whatever way that means um, is definitely a reason why I stay mm-hmm. in it as well. It occurs to me there's another, there's another way of interpreting this question, like, mm. how, how can you be a part of Christianity? Uh, could be asked with, like, a motivation of somebody who wants to stay but doesn't know how. And if our listeners are asking from that sort of a place, I can only speak from my own experience, but it's made a huge difference to me to, to come out and be involved in LGBTQ affirming and lgbtq celebrating faith spaces yeah like for me that's met lavender mafia it's met some progressive christian non-denominational spaces it's met the um good episcopal churches no not good no tea no shade (laughs) (laughs) because i think that there are ways that we can flourish best when we're not having to defend our basic humanity all the time (laughs) like yeah i I think a lot of us become affirming and like we want to like spread the good news of god's love for queer people to and in non-affirming spaces and i think that that's a really good impulse I think it can drain the crap out of you. Drain the living fuck out of you. Like if you don't have a sort of a home base. We talk about this all the time, don't we? Yeah. Who like love you and support you. I can like support you in doing that kind of work. Like if your only sort of faith space is one that's antagonistic toward your faith in hum- your humanity as a queer person, aware that eventually you're going to be just ground down by that constant conflict. Like, yeah, no you need a to... community that's going to pour into you when you're pouring into something else. Right. I can think of countless examples of people in our community, including ourselves, who put in a lot of energy into trying to pour into those spaces because we loved that community and we want mm-hmm. them to be better. Um, and sometimes the best decision that I've seen made um, is really just abandoning it mm-hmm. and pouring into yourself because that shit takes time. Mm-hmm. It took me years, years and years, almost a decade of 
being around people who affirmed me, not even in Christian space, to feel comfortable enough to walk into a space that had once been a vulnerable space. Mm -hmm. And then realize that, oh, I still have to heal around the idea of even allowing this to be something that can minister to me. And then that took time. Right. Because of my lack of trust in religion. And now I'm in this position of wanting to to draw people into our community and show them the safety net that we have and the 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 comfort of our bosom. I mean, really, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like the comfort that we provide. But at the end of the day, like, it takes a lot of trust building because we're we're building trust and making up for the hurt that was caused by something that was um, caused by something outside of ourselves, like, mm-hmm. you know, and that also caused hurt to us, you know? Um, it's like when you're in a relationship with someone who has endured some sort of trauma or um, has baggage. We all have baggage. We all come into our relationships and friendships with baggage. Mm-hmm. And it's the effort and the energy you put into those relationships of recognizing and understanding and making room for each other's baggage. And I feel like it's so interesting to be in this situation now because I don't think we can like, all we can do is be accessible and speak openly about our process. If someone's not ready, you don't want to, there's no forcing that. Mm -hmm. Oh, also something that's important to say about, all the communities that we're involved in is it's totally okay to just show up once and not come back again for another year or to, to come back whenever you feel is appropriate or never come back. Maybe you get the healing you need in one sitting, Mm -hmm. but, um, or maybe the group that you join isn't right for you and you, you join something else. That's, that's the other thing that I think is really important because something that we were often taught, um, and that I think has been triggering for me before has been this like pressure of, you know, like once you're in, you commit. Right. Yeah. Our healing should be allowed to look as diverse and different as the people in our communities. Yeah. One analogy for these sorts of things suggested itself to me. Like I've heard that when you break a bone or after you break a bone and it, heals it's stronger in the place where it broke than it was before and i feel like that can be true of those of us who go through like the religious and spiritual trauma of being in anti-lgbtq spaces but the bone is only stronger if it's allowed to heal Mm. and if if you come out and you stay in a faith space that's hostile to your faith in your humanity, I think it's difficult to impossible to let those traumas heal. Like the, the bone is just being broken more and more and more. Whereas if you take time away and let that healing happen. I think those of us who have taken time to convalesce in LGBTQ celebrating faith spaces, we have the opportunity to recover enough that maybe we could engage in those 
uh, previous bases to a certain extent in a way that wouldn't be as re-traumatizing as if we had never left. I, I don't think that's work that everybody's called to do, but yeah. I think those of us who take the time to process yeah. and heal, like it could then be something that we consider doing fruitfully. It makes me think like um, my wife and I last year were on the process before she, she fell. Um, we were in the process of, um, of getting registered for, to be foster parents to, for adoption purposes. Mm -hmm. And we had to watch a lot of like, ed, like fostering parent college, like education. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me think about like foster kids who have gone through like really hard shit, even babies that don't remember. Um, there's still a trauma of being pulled from the mother. Mm -hmm. And like, one of the things that I would see a lot of is like these these kids who were like who could remember and going into into homes where they didn't want to like let like their the vulnerability of trusting parents um like in but then parents learning how to like be patient and 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 how to um how to provide consistency and foundation and support and mm -hmm. eventually the child starts to come out of their shell um and um you start to build trust and you start to discover who this child really actually is. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some of those kids grow up to want to adopt themselves and do the work. Mm -hmm. Some of them grow up to not want to be parents at all. Some of them grow up to be social workers. And, and it just makes me think of that, like that, that comparison of, of having been in a situation that felt that, you know, you endured some sort of trauma to then go into a similar situation, but has the capacity to like love and support you um, mm -hmm. and help you grow beyond where you were, which was surviving. Right. Yeah. There are a lot of ways that we can respond to really any kind of trauma, but thinking specifically about like religious and spiritual trauma, like we can decide I don't want to experience that trauma again. And so I'm not going to be involved in anything like where I experienced that trauma. And that's hundred percent valid choice. Like who wouldn't be hurt and run the other way is very natural. There's a like response of, I, don't want to experience that trauma again and so i'm going to go to like a different space where i don't think that i'll have that same trauma like i want some of what came before but i don't want it in that sort of abusive way that yeah. i experienced it again 100 valid and then there are also those of us who say like i don't want to experience that trauma again and i don't want other people to experience that trauma again and so I'm going to make or help make spaces where people can have experiences of faith, experiences of Christianity without the spiritual and religious trauma that so many of us experienced. Mm. Any of those or any combination of those can be completely valid. It, it's, it's interesting. I was just thinking about one of my best friends, um, Jenica, she's, 
and she's atheist, but she grew up similar to the way that I grew up in mm-hmm. the same um, uh, cult, basically. And we have very similar views on a lot of things, but somewhere right along the journey, it led her to atheism versus it led me um, to a stronger relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And um, she is so incredibly knowledgeable and knows so much, but she's like a part of like atheist activists who go out and like, um, like protest like Noah's Ark that exists and the building of that. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, she had to really consider like when her and I started to become friends, like she had to consider like, can I actually be friends with someone who calls themselves a pastor? And, and we had to like, we've had to go through different stages of, of, of growth in our friendship, but like real, like legitimate questions. Like, do you want to be in a friendship with someone who um, is still a part of this thing that you, you don't believe in? And it's, it's really uh, expanded and helped her to grow as well as it's helped me to grow because I've gotten really good. uh, um, I've gotten much better at like recognizing what might be a trigger for some people and being able to say like, is right now an okay time for me to talk about some church stuff or is right now an okay time for me to talk about some worship stuff that I'm excited about. And sometimes the answer is no. And I have to be okay with that, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's been, um, it's taught me a lot about boundaries and, and um, yeah, it's been a really interesting experience as we've grown as really close friends, like a hardcore atheist activist and a worship pastor walk into a bar (laughs) I bet that those of us who leave the same spaces, even when we end up in very different places, I bet we retain a lot in common. Oh, totally. Because like there were things that we both knew weren't good, weren't healthy, weren't holy. And so we were like, no, fuck this. Mm -hmm. And we left or got kicked out. I bet there's common ground in the values that lead those of us who leave those spaces to leave them that we retain. Like I'm thinking like, what could we, what could we partner with atheist activists about? Like, I bet we have a lot of common causes. Oh, I definitely think so too. And it's kind of funny because there were times at, at the beginning of our friendship that she didn't she was like afraid to like tell me about certain things, especially the the Noah's Ark thing. I was like, mm-hmm. dude, that is a waste of money. Like what? Right. <laughs> like I supported it. I was like, okay, yeah, fight it, go for it. <laughs> I was like, it, it was funded by like the state because it was treated like as a museum or something. And I was just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? <laughs> like there are much better things we could be pouring our money into. Right. Much better things. There's so much evangelical nonsense that I feel like we could we could stand with together with atheists. Oh yeah, against like I don't think that there should be religious uh, uh, exemptions to like COVID vaccine requirements. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. or like having to like bake cakes for weddings. Mm-hmm. Make the fucking gay cake it will probably be the most fabulous thing you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> True. I, I should talk to her about that. Hell, I'll just send her this episode. <laughs> hey, there might be some Christian shit. Hopefully it's cool. Love you. 
Now she listened to the first episode that we did before we even put it out and was really proud of me. She, she also had a podcast at one point and, um, it's an atheism po- podcast. Um, right. and she's got that kind of voice and so does her husband. <laughs> her husband's voice is like, what? Anyway, don't look at me. Don't get <sighs> the pan by queer. All of me is coming out right now. <laughs> drilling over my best friend's husband's wife uh, like they're both poly so it works but <laughs> my best friend's husband's right voice <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i think um i think we've done a good job with answering this question what do you think we've done a job answering it. <laughs> <laughs> well so you know i guess it's up to the the uh the listener who wrote in this question did we do a good job <laughs> I actually want to know everybody else's like answer who, who listens to us and still identifies as Christian or still um, desires to be, to have faith. Like what continues to pull you into the faith? What, what makes it worth it to keep going? Probably not the coffee. No, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, beautiful babes, be fierce, keep the faith. And don't fuck it up. Hey, Lavender Mafiosas. As we continue to make fun, sex-positive, thoughtful queer Christian content, we're so pleased by how many of you invite us into your homes to spend some time with us each week. It's like we're part of the same queer, extended, chosen family. And I don't feel like we would really feel like family if I didn't beg you for money. So here goes. Uh, First, we really appreciate those of you who partner with us on Patreon already because we need your support to continue the work we're doing. And there are even more things that we want to do, like build a website, make Lavender Mafia merch, provide opportunities for community online, in person, and to make more podcast content for you all. With what's been going on in our country lately with new threats to queer health and safety all the time, it means more than ever to me to be doing this. And I really appreciate those of you who've partnered with us to make it possible for us to keep doing this. If you want to be one of these people, please consider going to patreon.com slash lavmafia and signing up to be one of our patrons. Thanks and don't fuck it up.